Please open your copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll consider verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Well, like so many of you, I had just gotten the news about Sister Pat uh, moving. I am reasonably certain that this is somewhat sudden, but may have not sudden. She's been planning it, but I am reasonably certain that the law is not after her. I am certain reasonably about that, having gotten to know Miss Pat. She's a wonderful lady. We wish her the very best in days to come. Well, in the 45-minute sermon I was going to preach, I will condense it into about 20, since that's how much time is left. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 and think about this. Parents can get really frustrated when their kids are fighting and things are being said that are really mean. I don't think there's ever been a parent that didn't get frustrated in hearing that. How about in a marriage when you have people fighting, a husband and wife that love each other, but they are saying things and doing things, we would say they're not fighting fair, that there's an awful lot of pot shots being taken, low blows, we would say. How does one fight right in a world that has forgotten how and may not even care about fighting right. How do you fight right in a world like that? How do we as Christians deal with worldviews and philosophies and teachings that are false in a world where increasingly the biggest sin of all is intolerance? And really the fact is, few things seem to be more intolerant than what some people call tolerance. But let's even apply that in a Christian level. How do you you fight right when the need arises to stand up for what is right in the church? How do you fight right within the family of God? It seems like that would be a really important question to ask and it ought to be something that is prayerfully considered. 2 Corinthians 10 gives us four principles for walking meekly but fighting right, fighting strong in spiritual things. 
you know, trying to balance these two principles. War the good warfare. 1 Timothy 1.18. Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. To understand something about the military nature, spiritually speaking, involved in being a servant of God, a soldier of Christ. There's no way that that can be taken out of Scripture because it's there. And so being soldiers in the Lord's army, like the children sing, is something that's really true and must be upheld and never compromised. But at the same time, the Bible talks about making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.3. God's Word also says, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all people. Romans 12.18. That can be a difficult balance to get and to maintain where we are concerned about the war and yet we are concerned equally about unity and keeping peace. And virtually everybody who has ever served the Lord faithfully has been thought a liberal by some and a radical by others. Paul the Apostle would be a good example. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. As a matter of fact, the last few chapters of 2 Corinthians, Waylon, are all about Paul defending his apostleship from people that are undermining him at Corinth. You ever gone someplace and the automatic impression you got is, man, this place is seven shades of crazy. Ever gone somewhere and just thought maybe it was seven shades of crazy? Corinth would be to many people today seven shades of crazy, but I would argue that really it's not that much different than Washington, D.C., than Hollywood, California, or most of our major cities. And I suspect you would agree. How do we walk in meekness and yet fight strong and right? Four principles, briefly. Principle number one. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and 2. Remember how Jesus is the King of Kings. Remember how Jesus is the King of Kings. You might wonder how I got that principle. I'll tell you how. Paul immediately thinks of Jesus and what comes to his mind as he deals with controversy and talks about living right but fighting strong is the meekness and the gentleness of Jesus. Mark your Bibles. It's as if he remembers the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. There is only one verse in all of Scripture where Jesus specifically reveals his heart. And he says in Matthew 11, 28, I am meek and lowly or gentle 
in hearts. It is not an accident that Paul uses the expressions meekness and gentleness in 2 Corinthians 10.1. Brothers and sisters, in any conflict, when meekness and gentleness, gentleness, the meekness and gentleness of Christ leaves the building, the battle has already been lost. When the meekness and gentleness of Christ leaves the building, the battle has already been lost. The battle belongs to the Lord, so meekness means that strength is kept under control and used wisely and appropriately. Gentleness means we care. Notice again in 2 Corinthians 10.1, Paul uses the expression, I implore, I entreat, I encourage you. See that? I implore, I entreat, I encourage you. Our concern must be to implore others to live in a way that reflects true love and obedience to Christ. Sometimes it gets way too personal. And you know what? There's not a few Christians who when it comes to dealing with conflict act no differently than people in the world. No differently. We haven't learned how to fight right. Principle number two. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.3. So no matter how heated the conflict, will the meekness and gentleness of Christ be displayed and will we encourage one another to do the things of God? Now catch this in verse 3. Remember... How our warfare is unconventional. Unconventional. Remember how our warfare is unconventional. Warfare nowadays involves sending troops. It involves technology where buttons can be pushed and missiles can be launched. Warfare today involves technology that can keep up with terrorism. Our warfare is unconventional. And Paul says in verse 3, although we walk according to the flesh, our warfare is not according to the flesh. Those of us that have some, sometimes a difficult time with our temper and we just want to pound somebody in the face, it's really hard to make that fit with our warfare is not of the flesh, of the carnal nature. The last few Sunday nights I've been talking about the Christian warfare because I think it's such an important subject and because as a gospel preacher, I have not seen the church hurting more in terms of doctrinal error and personality politics and division since probably the 1980s, to be quite honest. The idea then, remember how our warfare is unconventional. It is spiritual. Not fleshly, not carnal. Next. Remember, this is verse 4. 
Our weapons are spiritual. Our weapons are spiritual. By that passage, jot down Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Because really that's a perfect explanation of the things that Paul's talking about. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Now think about the tendency that Christians can have to, to war just like people in the world. There is the belt of truth in Ephesians chapter 6. How about the belt of pride and opinion and twisting truth, Adam, where just enough is blended in where everything sounds really believable because that's the best kind of error that mix it with just enough truth. Is that how we really want to fight? There is the breastplate of righteousness in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. But people can often fight with the image of success. The image of success. This looks good. It works for them. We should do this too. Again, the helmet of salvation. How about the helmet of manipulation? where smooth words and fair speech are used by people to convey their message and to win them over. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. I think about feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's part of the Christian armor that is to be worn. How about feet that are quick to spread mischief and gossip about others, to malign someone's character. Can that be done in the church? But isn't that really how the world tends to fight? We fight much like those sometimes in the world, even in the church. Think about this one. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6, 17. How about the sword of the flesh? The arm of flesh will fail you. Well, using the sword of the flesh will too. The sword of opinion. The sword of personal pride. 18 through 20, prayer. Every piece of the armor is to be put on with prayer. But it's possible in brotherhood controversy for brotherhood politics is what we put on. When we're confronting the world, we have to let everybody know all that we're against and we fail to let them also know what we are for. Something about that to me simply does not reflect the spirit of Jesus or the Apostle Paul. 
lastly. Look at verse 5 and 6. And see what Paul says. He says, we are about a method that involves the mind. Listen as I read verse 5. We destroy arguments, the mind. Opinions, the mind. Raised against the knowledge of God, the mind and the heart. And take every thought, the mind, the heart again, captive. When you stop and think about this, and maybe you haven't, the battle is for the heart and the mind. Where their hearts and minds go, their actions will follow. And as we talk about a nation that seems to have lost its uh, foundation only by turning hearts and minds will we really make a difference. We cannot simply modify behavior without helping people see things differently in their hearts and minds. And what Paul does here is he talks about siege warfare. Siege warfare. When you look at verses 4, 5, and 6, it's all about siege warfare. Think about this. He would have known about it being alive when the Roman Empire was the dominant force on earth. Notice this terminology. Verse 4, as it concludes. We have divine power, the armor of God, the truth of God, God with us, the King. And with that, we have the power to destroy strongholds. In siege warfare, you're looking to destroy a stronghold. Secondly, arguments in every lofty opinion raised up, towers and observation posts, when you are involved in a siege of a city, the towers and the observation post are place you want to take out. Notice this, raised against the knowledge of God and then take every thought captive. Captives are taken in a siege. It is demoralizing to a city. Now think about an army being around a city and how they're going to operate. And with a good general, they can wait. But eventually the city is going to be taken. The towers and the strongholds are gone. Captives have been taken. And then notice verse 6. The disobedient will be dealt with. But that city has the privilege in a siege of changing their mind and allegiance. And Paul is hoping some of the Christians at Corinth, seven shades of crazy, some of the Christians at Corinth will change their thinking, their hearts, because really what they think about Paul is this. Listen, this is the Apostle Paul that some critics are talking about. They say this about him. They say, his letters are weighty and powerful, but he is not impressive at all personally. 
he talks a really good game in writing. He's a paper apostle. But when you're in his presence, he seems meek and mild and humble. They say his speech is contemptible. He doesn't talk too well, and he doesn't have a very good stage presence, y'all. That's kind of what they were saying about him. But the man of God had the truth of God in his heart and wanted to convey that to others. And most important, the Lord was pleased. The Lord was pleased. And so while you may be concerned about the events of the world, and I am too, and while you may be concerned about events in the church, and I am too, it is a must that we walk with the meekness and gentleness of Christ, and yet that we fight spiritual battles in the power of the Lord. Y'all could amen that, and it would be absolutely free. But we need to walk like that. I fear that often, when it comes to fighting spiritual battles, we are humble and meek, but we really don't fight with strength. We're about to sing our song of encouragement at this time. And if there's someone here that needs to put on Christ in baptism, it's a great time for you to do that. And it may be that some of us as Christians need to rededicate ourselves to allowing ourselves to show the spirit of Jesus more when it comes to how we live our lives regularly and yet how we speak up when it concerns religious error. Let's stand and sing.